Hey there, welcome to the Depot Cast for not April Fool's Day. April second, twenty twenty one. Have you guys heard any uh good rumors lately? Yeah, maybe a couple. <laughs> yeah. The 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 major one is that Mackenzie's actually here in the library with us. That was a huge surprise when she walked through the door. I yep. almost cried. <laughs> Um, I, and I guess the other one is that uh, I've gotten a new job. So at the end of April, uh, I will be leaving the depot yes. after nine and a half years. I've gotten a job in Albion at the Children's Museum. Uh, so they're taking me away. I'm I'm moving. Yep. You'll be surely missed for certain. You can't whisper into the microphone. Okay. You'll be surely missed <laughs> for certain. Thank you. <laughs> See how um, it is. So, uh, so. I thought it'd be really funny if we recorded it on April Fool's Day, which is why I put the Facebook post up there on April Fool's Day, like late in the day. Yeah, there, there was a couple of comments. On who wondered if it was a joke, yeah. yeah. Um, it is not a joke, um, but things had to be done in a specific order. Like, you had to inform the board, yep. and then I had to formally write a resignation letter, and then I could then I could actually tell people formally that I was leaving. Um Yeah, if it like you know, I'm not super superstitious, but <laughs> just because somebody has offered you a job doesn't mean you're actually hired. Uh, so, right now I have an e- now I have a, a PDF letter from them that says uh, you are employed, and I was like, great, great. Now I actually am employed. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm not gonna say that this is sad because I don't think it's sad. I think it's inevitable. Uh, you know, this place has had many, many people before me and they'll have many, many people after me that are in this position. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it off air. This building has a certain knack about when it needs something, the universe opens up and spits that thing out and then we get what we need. It does. It, it, it so does. It, it's eerie in how it happens. And we were talking yeah. about whether or not I was panicked and hiring somebody and you know, that whole process. And I'm like, no, no. You are coming across as not audible. Are you sure your mic is not plugged in or something? Oh, maybe the connection's bad. Yeah, maybe. Can you hear me? Barely. Hold on a second. Try that. Hello. Any better? Oh, way better. Oh, good. So it turns out that, uh, Mackenzie, for your knowledge in the future, yes, uh, no. don't <laughs> plug it into the red port on our, on our okay. mixer because apparently that port's dead. Okay, ah. Port dead. Yeah. You're so, gonna leave me like a guidebook, right, for all this stuff, yes. right? Like, uh, <laughs> I am. What I am gonna do is I'm gonna get some tape and actually tape over that port so we don't accidentally use okay. it. Okay. I also expect to have a binder of like a rundown of the history of Durand and everything about yes. Durand. You act like I'm like moving to Mars. I'm moving yeah, know, to Albion. It's an hour away. I was gonna say text you know, message. You can't transfer the knowledge. Though. Email. <laughs> Just text me. Um. Yeah. Like as if I won't be in constant contact with this place because. Uh, they're hiring me as executive director and ask me how much I know about being executive director <laughs> today, right now, what I've learned from Mary, basically. Mm-hmm. So Good source. get get ready for text messages in your direction as well about... I am totally okay with that. <laughs> it's just going to be like a food chain of text messages. Yeah. <laughs> like, me to Mike, Mike to Mary. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So even though I'm leaving, I'm sticking around in some capacity because I can still do exhi- exhibition design remotely mm-hmm. um yep. and 
uh, as it turns out, like we're also closed on Mondays in Albion. So if something needs to get built uh, and I'm working with Tim or whatever, I could always just drive back up here for the day and mm-hmm. hammer stuff out with, with him. Or like if there's a project that we need to do together, we could just decide, Hey, we're going to come in on Monday and do that. And mm-hmm. I could probably pop up and do that. Um, also because I'm not moving super far away, like I'm not changing my doctors or anything like that. So I'll be in Duran a bunch anyhow. Yeah, family. <laughs> Family's here. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So like, that's one of the reasons why I've been f- like not super anxious about this because I applied for a lot of jobs that were comp- like on the other side of the continent. I applied for jobs yep. in Alaska that I wanted and didn't get. So to move an hour away and if I end up like finding an apartment in Marshall, it's literally on the same freeway. <laughs> it's yep. just a drive down I-69. Uh, that seems fine. That seems doable for what we do here, um, which has always been very ad hoc. We just, some a problem appears and then everybody who's here puts their head together and then we invent a solution for it. Or an opportunity appears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's amazing how many opportunities just present themselves yeah. and we're like, hey, we can do this. You know how easy it's going to be for a children's museum and a train museum to collaborate on stuff? Yep. Pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, because we don't do anything correctly around here, uh, we decided to do my exit interview on the radio live so (laughs) which how many exit interviews are ever done that way very very few i'm sure uh but like i'm at this point in my life i'm used to doing interviews so may this be the last one i have to do for a while oh i hope so my folder of job applications was somewhere around like 225 wow that's what happens when you are sort of always ambiently looking for a job for mm-hmm. the last five years. I started actually putting stuff out there before I started grad school. Wow. So I, I was still looking for work through the entire time I was getting my master's degree and then for three years past it. <laughs> yeah. And well, it just worked out perfectly. And it wasn't because I was, uh, I was ever unhappy here. Uh, le- me leaving the depot is not because I'm unhappy with the depot. Mm-hmm. It's because the way the nonprofit works is as such that uh, with my expertise and my level of education, there's a certain amount of money that that person needs to start paying back student loans with. Yep. (laughs) And this organization is growing, but it's not there yet. Right. So it's not like this is not a slam on our organization here. It's just the reality of what we're doing. We're growing, but to grow to the level that we would, that we would need to, to support, curator with master's degree it wouldn't be un- it would be unhealthy for the organization too it would be like there is such a thing as too much growth mm-hmm. th- th- that you can grow beyond what is sustainable um, and too quickly growth too quickly, too quickly. Yeah. like because we joke all the time like what would we do if somebody dropped like two million dollars on us all at once i feel like the answer would probably actually be panic because <laughs> like what would you like how would you handle that it's too much money at once mm-hmm. we would like it but we Way too much. Do. So, uh, you both have some questions. Well, yeah. Mackenzie has questions. My yeah. questions are fun questions. And we're just going to jump in. <laughs> uh, but uh, before we do that, I'm going to turn my mic off and cough for a second. Hold on a second. <coughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> so, 
Am I beginning? Am I the one that's going? You first? are absolutely. Okay. Go for so it. So mine are more fun questions, just to kind of get the mic story started. The and story. mine won't be fun questions. Well, you said exit yeah. interview. I feel like that's more professional. <laughs> no. Than like little questions. When have we ever been know. professional around <laughs> exactly. here? Exactly. Y'all said exit interview, and I got <laughs> no. a little panicked. No, I was doing. I was like, okay, there was miscommunication somewhere. <laughs> I use the term exit interview as sarcastically as possible. Exactly. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been with Duran on Station for almost ten years now. Nine and a half. Nine yeah. and a half. Years. Started in November of 2011. Wow, that's a long time. Anyway. Yeah. So how old were you in 2011? I ten. Ten. Maybe. <laughs> oh. Mary, how old do you feel now? Yeah. Hey, do you want me to tell you that story? That is fun. I can tell that story. Yeah. The moment that you that you had the realization of oh of your age. Goodness, I'm old. Yep. Mm. I'll, I'll tell that story. But what's your question? Yeah. Okay. So you have to tell us, because I obviously was 10. I did not know about yep. Duran then. Or well, I kind of did, but whatever. Um, what changed from like the beginning to now? Like what kind of growth did you see and everything? What was it like in the beginning to now? Oh, my God. I know um, it's a very like large yeah, question, like, but I guess more like centered towards like the museum and stuff. Like, um, So when I joined up, we were – the nonprofit wasn't nearly as strong. Like I don't, I don't think our muse, our nonprofit, DUSI, has ever been as strong as it is today. That every day we we break the record for strength for this organization. Um, we were in some pretty, a uh, pretty perilous situation back in 2011. Um, we were still actively feuding with our own landlord. Well, and we had the second water damage. Yeah, we were just coming off the second flood. Yep. In the middle of all that, there was like a persistent and ongoing nasty fight over a lease that we just never saw eye to eye on, and it took forever to to get done. But then once it like that, that would be the biggest the biggest change in my opinion. That once we got the lease done and everybody was sort of happy with it and went off to their own corners to keep doing what they were doing, we really took off because we suddenly it was like the shackles were lifted. We we had spent the first five years doing small stuff. Yes. That was like, okay, this is attainable. This is small. This isn't going to be a big deal if we strike out with it or whatever. Um, and then once we no longer were burdened by the constant threat of maybe we lose the building or whatever, uh, we, it was like a rocket ship. We, we started trying, like the big ideas started showing up at that point. I think we always had like a list of things we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but five years ago is about when we actually said, you know what? I think we could actually do an audio tour or a virtual tour or real programming for kids or things like that. Um, self-preservation was probably the story of the first five. And the second five is how far can we go? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really helps to have people who are not afraid of weird ideas. Um, even when I first started here, you guys were totally okay with the manic energy I bring, which is like, just try it. What's going to happen? Well, you, you, you basically said to me, your website needs help. <laughs> it, it desperately needs help. Yeah. And I think it was the first thing I ever said to you. It, it is. Was, Hi, I'm here because I had to take a class from the university of Michigan um, but also your website's terrible and I'll make you a new one for free just to get the old one off the internet. <laughs> and then I think Norma was probably the first person who was like sold because <laughs> no. she's, cause she has, she's the one who actually has the, had the radar for, Oh God, somebody's coming in. That is probably the person we need at this point in time. 
get them. Yep. Norma but, was very good at at seeing talent. Yeah. And encouraging people to. Is that what you would call it? Encouraging. Yeah. I would call it. I would call it twist. bad badgering badgering twisting arms none, none of us none of us could ever get away from her she would just keep trying until she succeeded it worked yeah well what i saw is the the academic and michael probably correct my my language the the academic appeal yeah. of what we had in the museum raised significantly true um prior to that uh Prior to that, we uh, didn't really have, and this isn't like a slam on the people who were here building exhibits before me, because everybody does what they're capable of doing and what they're with what they have. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very much a do it, do it, do with what you have group here. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, uh, we hadn't really had anybody who had actually gone to school for history or anthropology or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So when I came in, I had that stuff. Yeah, you brought that to the table for and us. And uh, so it allowed us to try some ideas from the museum standpoint that were more rooted in academic research mm-hmm. compared to doesn't this look cool or a box full of stuff. Um, yeah. When I got here, we had a lot of exhibits that were basically like, we have this stuff. It's up in the attic. We just want people to see it. So we're just going to put it in a case. And it didn't really have much of a... Like there was sort of maybe like a basic thread through all of it. Like here's why all this stuff is in here. But for the most part, it was uh, like, hey, we just don't want people. We just don't want this to sit in the attic. Right. Um, When I showed up, it was we kind of made a hard turn into each one of these displays is going to talk about a specific event. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's how we're going to base things around it. So like the very first exhibit I ever did was the end of the steam era. Mm -hmm. And that all fell in my lap. That was all stuff that just showed up. Uh, some guy was like, hey, I have the bell from the last steam engine to come through Durand. Do you want it? And You're I was like, like yeah. yep. <laughs> Where do you live? <laughs> sure. Well, I live in Grand Ledge. All right, I guess I'm going to Grand Ledge then. Uh, and then from there, the guy who had the number plate for that same locomotive just gave it to us. Like He, he wanted it originally bolted to the building. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about that. But the building itself is an artifact. So we try to not do things like bolt things to the side of it right also things that can things that have been bolted to the building can be unbolted from the building easily yeah and we were more concerned about theft than that so we uh we devised sort of the the that was where like the nucleus of that case came from like mm-hmm. we need we have these two really cool items we're gonna put them in a case tell the story around it right um and then after we did that uh we accidentally discovered that a lot of the brass stuff we had on loan was all from that same engine <laughs> Oh. So that's what that's why we keep saying like, oh, it's better to be lucky than good here because that very first exhibit that Tim and I put together was largely all of this stuff just happened to us. It was just luck. Yeah, um, it was luck and fate or whatever you want to say. But um, we we managed to collect everything from the sixty three nineteen that still exists. <laughs> yeah, and it's in our and it's our in our museum now. So uh, yeah, like that's that's where that began. And um, when it comes to the museum stuff, Tim was beyond instrumental because i i have it i can design mm-hmm. i'm pretty good with photoshop and illustrator and all that but he's the one who can actually like build the drawings mm-hmm. <laughs> so i would draw something up and then throw it at tim and be like is this too crazy and he'd be like yeah kind of but then we would try it anyway and then it would either work or it wouldn't and he'd throw his idea in there and yeah it would turn into something that worked um i will tell you that um 
when we first started back in 2015, that was when I first started doing exhibits. The first four years I was just archive guy. Okay. Trying to make sense of the archive. Uh, in the fifth year, when I started doing exhibitions, uh, it was really brand new to put led spotlights in the museum cases and each individual light cost like $8 a piece. Oh my. And nowadays you can get like a 20 pack for eight bucks or something. It's incredibly like the main difference in what we do with the exhibition stuff now is that, uh, the cost of led lighting is so much cheaper. Um, the lights in the first case, I think overall costs us something like $75. Oh gosh. It was, it's more than, it's like a third of the entire cost of the case was just in the lighting. Yeah. It, it looks great. So. <laughs> and, and nowadays we can do that whole thing for like 15. Oh my. Yeah. Uh, but we, we knew that was the direction we wanted to go with it because led lights don't put off UV and UV doesn't hurt. Any, and UV is what like kills all paper. Mm-hmm. If you if you want your paper to start going bad and turning yellow and disintegrating put it and put it somewhere where sunlight can hit it yep so uh that was the main thing mary had to step out because she's conducting business out in the out in the out in the lobby here so uh let's take a pause for just a second so we can get back in here for the second one okay more questions all right so that little conversation we had about your first exhibit leads me into my next question which is what do you feel is the most important exhibit you've done and why African-American history by a mile. I knew it was yeah. going to be that one. I yeah. felt it. It's the closest. <laughs> I think it's probably the closest to my heart because it was something that Curtis had wanted to do ever since he joined here, which was, I think, the year before me. He, I think he was here in 2010, maybe 2009. No, he was here when I started, which was... Before you... Did he join up before or after you? He was here when I started. So and he was here... By, a couple of years before I started. 2008-ish? Yeah. Um, But he had mentioned early on, especially when I started taking over exhibitions after Wayne and Bruce got a gig and took off, that he had always wanted to do the African-American story on the railroad. And um, so it kind of stuck in the back of my head until we had an open case. And I was like, all right, we're going to do this. So what I did was basically I just handed over all the writing to Curtis and said, here, you tell me what you think is important and then I'll make it happen for you. So he worked, he and I worked together on that. And it's also the story of how you like, don't give up on a case because when we initially built it, it didn't have a lot of the bad part of the story in there. It was more just like a monument to people who had succeeded. Mm-hmm. And it really ate a hole in me because every time I walk past it, I'm like, this story is incomplete. This is a list of people who have done well and that's cool. But that story isn't that story isn't complete unless you talk about the trouble that people had. Mm-hmm. Like what what are the, what are the barriers to su- success? Your success is is less impactful if you don't talk about all the things that were in the way of that. Um, so we went back and um, that also went through several rewrites because like, so we we added a huge panel to it that was basically like. Internally, I named it uh, badnews.psd because it was <laughs> literally like seven paragraphs of just the worst possible stuff that you could hear about how black people were treated on the railroad. Um, it went through a couple of revisions with Jerry Becker, who helped me a lot in, in solidifying that voice. Um, and it went through a couple of revisions with you, Mary, because 
you were concerned that I was going to pick a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the yeah. museum. And um, so I've always been someone who's like, I don't care if I get in a fight about this because I'm right. Like, But it's a fine balance. Yeah. Like, we're, I'm not, tr- I wasn't trying to intentionally inflame anybody. Right. Um, however, I was also coming at it from the angle that Durand is a community that's like 99.6% white. So this story probably isn't well known. And I believe really strongly that the role of a history museum is to challenge people in what their perceived thought is. Like all three of us, I'm sure were taught at some point about how Christopher Columbus discovered America, Hmm. but he didn't, he didn't discover America and they totally gloss over all the horrible things that he did in the process. So like the, the role of a historian is you have to challenge what was the common thought at the time with more accurate information. Right. Um, it's very, very hard to ever approach 100% accuracy. All you can do is fix it as you as you understand it. Um, so I felt it was incredibly important for us to tell the truth unvarnished in ways that might hurt people's feelings because they didn't know any better or because they were taught a certain way and this goes against that. Um, and you were, you were more concerned about the fight than I was. So it went through a couple of rewrites and we, we got it to where both of us were happy. Yep. Um, I think I softened some words is mm-hmm. kind of what had to happen there. Um, but at the end of it, like no one has ever fought me on it. So, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's very well done. And, and it's the sort of thing where like the best thing that you can hear as a ex- exhibit designer is you're not even part of the conversation. You just hear two people in the room. One of them goes, Oh, I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm yeah. always doing a fist pump at the desk. <laughs> if I hear that from somebody across the the building, Oh, I didn't know that. Like, perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. So, That's um, cool. so when it comes to exhibits, that is, that is my favorite. It is also the most impactful. Um, you know, I was really happy to do it on behalf of somebody else. Like it was great that this was a thing that Curtis clearly took very seriously. And I wanted to do that for him. Um, I would say my second favorite one is probably the women's history one for similar reasons. Cause that story isn't told very often. Uh, but also boy, was that a lot of like reusing parts. Like we had taken the, the plexiglass panels out of the lights and cut them up and turned them into a timeline and took all these photos and suspended them from fishing wire. Like that was a real ambitious design (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I'm very proud of on a, on an aesthetic level that that looked really good. And, um, bringing the story out of the case, all those, all those narratives were just tacked on the inside of the case before. And I got them out onto a pedestal where you could flip through them and add to them. Mm-hmm. The point of it is if you know someone who was a woman who worked on the railroad, you can give us their story and it will go in the exhibit and be part of it. So mm-hmm. um, those two are probably the best. Um, there are others on technical terms that I think are fantastic, but that's just me goofing around with computers. <laughs> I'm most proud of the stuff that I did on that, that thing and the intern stuff. So Yeah, the intern stuff, I think really fit in your wheelhouse that was something that yeah just turn them loose and then make it look nice at the end Mm -hmm. be a guiding hand so going to college and i mean because you kind of you were a sophomore or a junior i think i was in the middle of my junior year okay it was 2011 i graduated in 13 so yeah it'd be my junior year okay so your perception of what you thought a curator 
archivist was going to be yeah. and the reality of it? That is a good question. Um, so when I started here, basically, like, I did the website, and that was fine. And then you had mentioned, like, oh, we haven't had anybody take a look at this archive in a while, and we've had to come back from a flood, and we actually haven't had a real archivist in here in a few years. Um, would you mind taking a look in the archive? And I said, sure. And I distinctly remember you taking me in the attic and then opening up this door <laughs> that looked, and then when you walk inside the little archive that's in there, it looked like a tornado had hit it. Yeah. And then you're just like, all right, good so luck. So many, so many artifacts. Yeah. Like, okay, good luck making sense of this. And I was like, but, and then you shut the door. So, um, so my first, my first sort of, fall into the world of that was well this looks nothing like the archives that they send you to at school where everything is done by a professional archivist who probably has a doctorate in something and (laughs) like everything is pristine and everybody has to use gloves gloves at all times and uh like but those are places that have the funding to do it like the archive at u of m flint is funded by the university of michigan (laughs) they have money to burn so um so learning kind of like oh yeah well this is real like this is this is real life this is real history and this is what real museums go through because they don't have university of michigan money um yeah it was weird at first because it's like okay well i have to make sense of this but also i'm i don't have any of the tools required to actually make any real sense of it because it was originally put together by margaret zadunik and at the time we had not found the rosetta stone that showed where everything was in her mind. Like I was trying to retrace somebody's steps who was a professional archivist, but didn't have like her back, like her work. You build a key when you build an archive and her key was miss- missing. It wasn't, it wasn't in its proper place. We had, de- we did eventually find it. Yep. But um, the first couple of years were basically just, well, I got to make some sort of sense out of this. So I'm going to do what makes sense to me. And then luckily once again, better to be lucky than good. I sort of, when I did find the Zunic one, I was very relieved to find out that I was pretty close to the way that she had done it. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, like, the curator part of it was, um, I joke that in lieu of arrays around here, I always just took a more extravagant title. Um, and I decided that I was the curator after Wayne and Bruce split, and I, I distinctly remember this conversation, too. They had left. And I was sitting in your office and you said, what are we going to do? These were our designers. And I just looked at you. I was like, I don't have to do Photoshop. Let me do it. And you're like, really? You'll do that? And I was like, sure. Why not? So then once I became that and I was responsible for both the archive and the museum, then I was like, well, it's no longer appropriate to simply call me the archivist. Um, My job is now a museum curator because I'm responsible for all of it. Do I really know what a curator is? Not really. But I'm the person that's here and I'm doing it. Uh, and then that's when it actually like occurred to me, like, maybe you probably should go to grad school. You <laughs> <laughs> should probably actually get real training in this. So, um, yeah, it would have been 2015. I'd been out of uh, undergrad for two years. And then I yeah. applied to University of Oklahoma and they didn't even take my GRE score. Oh, like, my. I went and did, did that because they, they told you, like, oh, yeah, to get into the grad school, you have to have the GRE. So I went and did it and completely ignored the math portion of it yep i walked in signed the little form did the the part like the reading part and that first 
and then it was like, okay, it's time for the math part. And I was like, all right, great. And I just clicked randomly until it was done. Oh and my. I walked out and the lady was like, didn't do the math part, huh? And I was like, nope. <laughs> She's like, what are you in the like, like museum? She went, oh, okay. So, uh, so I got this GRE number that was obviously very good in one aspect of it and very, very, very poor in the other aspect of it. Um, thinking whatever, they're only gonna be looking for half of this anyhow. And then it turns out like, oh yeah, you did well enough undergrad that we don't need your GRE score. So Jeez. I basically just spent $175 for nothing. Oh my. But whatever. I went to I went to college again and um grad school was good for me because I told the people that in those programs that I was working for a real museum that existed. So instead of doing a bunch of theoretical assignments for an imaginary museum, I was able to twist all of the assignments they were giving me into something that we could actually turn into a real product here. And they were thrilled about that. They're like, oh, awesome. All this. And you can report back to the class about how these things work. Mm -hmm. So the class gets to learn from someone who's actually doing it in a real museum, what happened and what was good and what was not good. So uh, I was very much like a guinea pig for those two years for Oklahoma, because all of the things that we were doing, I was just turning them into real projects here and then relaying the results back to them and that was how that works. So I actually learned how to become a real curator in those two years. <laughs> and, but I feel very strongly that this place will never be like the traditional museum because of the way that it was built and the way that it must exist, that it's always going to be, you utilize the skills of whoever happens to be there at the time. Well, and we're talking a train museum, right? a railroad museum yeah. where the artifacts are literally large pieces of metal yeah. that could rust iron brass and steel yeah exactly this is yeah. not well there's good things there's good things and bad things about the nature of the collection because you basically never have to worry about people putting their hands on it because it's never going to get ruined right um but uh if you leave it outside it could rust so uh yeah so that's kind of how i felt about that that's pretty good what's your next question what do you got all right so shifting topics a little bit so it's getting close to the time that we usually have railroad days yep don't know if we're having because of covid this year or whatever as of today but, we are still having railroad days seriously yeah they had a meeting yesterday so uh, that's awesome okay well all right so what's your favorite memory of, of railroad days yeah, like your most memorable experience or oh yeah let's do most memorable experience because i feel like that can also not be favorite like you yeah know? um my experience during railroad days in general is I'm basically the mayor of the depot. <laughs> no, that should have been your new title. Depot mayor. Yeah, mayor of Duran Union Station. Yes, which from curator. <laughs> um, what, the, what I mean by that is because all the exhibits are done, like I've, I, I work the hardest in the months leading up to railroad days. Right. And then once it's all done, it's on display. So my job during railroad days is to wander around and make sure everybody else is happy. Mm-hmm. Like, chat with all the guests, welcome them to the building, walk around to people like Dan who are out making hot dogs and stuff out in the, out on the sidewalk, make sure he has everything he needs. Uh, basically just be a good ambassador for the, for the program, for the nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, chat with the model railroad guys, see how they're doing, make sure everybody's just good. Um, so like, that's like, I put a lot of steps in, you know, how you're at your Apple watch yells at you about, putting in so many steps yep, a day walk, move. never yells at me during railroad days because no. i'm always moving feet are dead at the end of every day but it's fun like because you're seeing so many new people 
and they come in with so many interesting questions. Um, the, the, the wall of grandpas that I've joked about in the past mm-hmm. always grows by like three or four at rarer days week because people come in looking for information on a grandparent. That is amazing. Um, so uh, I would say like the most memorable because we joke around here that there's only ever two weather events at rarer days. It's either like sleeting cause it's 35 degrees in mid May or mm-hmm. it's 104 in the shade. Yeah. There's never anything in the middle. Um, we had a couple of weather events during railroad days. We had a railroad days one year where it, it straight up dropped ice on us. Oh my. Uh, that was pretty memorable. Um, I don't think I've ever been here for the railroad days where they're incredibly hot, but I worked for the marching band forever and I did like 16 parades with them plus the four that I did as a marcher. And it was only ever like raining and cold or ridiculously hot. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that memory just sort of blends together because I've, I've never been able to leave Duran during railroad days. Right. I was either in the band or working for the band. And then I left, I was working for the band and this place simultaneously because there were a couple of railroad days where I weren't, I wasn't here at the beginning of the day on railroad days because I was with the band. Right. And then I became, I quit being the band guy and he became the depot guy. So then I was here for that. Um, so I like the, the day that it sleeted was terrible because it's, we're all just standing inside watching it do this. Like I'm sure this is a very fun carnival outside. <laughs> like I'm sure they're making tons of money. Yeah. We're knowing him be outside or um, we had uh, we had the weekend where it was moderately nice on Friday and then it was gorgeous on Saturday. But then we had a coal train that blocked Durand all day on oh, Saturday no. that we could have broken like 2000 visitors in that single day. If the train hadn't been in, it was a coal train that was literally stopped all day. Wow. So anybody who was over here couldn't see what was happening at the carnival and nobody over there could see what was happening over here. And the shuttles couldn't even get around it because they were blocking on the other side of town. So it was like all the way out to Byron Road and past. Wow. Uh, and then Sunday, the weather was nice, but then it like the rain came in sideways. That was a fun like Sunday is always a really quiet railroad days day anyway. But like we, we never got the perfect weekend that it was either way too cold or the temperature was finally correct. And then it would, a train would block the whole day or um, it would rain horrifically. So you should talk about the, it was March, April, the train derailment. Oh, oh, that was in October. Was it October? Yeah. So that wasn't a railroad days thing, but it no. was, yeah. No, but I was out of town. Have I, have I you... sufficiently answered your question about railroad days? Yes, you have. Okay. So moving on to the derailment. Um, yeah, you were, it was like the one time that you've been called away for depot business that was not in our county. Yep. I, I was literally out of town. You were in like Grand Rapids or something at yeah. a conference. And uh, in the middle of the night, uh, I don't live too far away from the from the train station here. I, we're very used to the sound and feeling of trains like pulling their own slack or coupling really hard or things like that. So you, you hear that noise and you feel the ground shake a little bit because that's just what it is around here. And you get used to it. Well, one night I was just sort of up at one in the morning and I heard it and then it felt way more sustained, way longer. And I was like, so I was talking to somebody online at the time. I was like, I feel like we just got a derailment in here. That was way, that was way worse than the normal one. And then like five minutes later, the Grand Trunk Western Historical Society Facebook group 
started lighting up with people like, hey, I'm hearing on the radio there's a derailment on the diamond in Durand. So I like put my shoes on and it was it was warm. It was luckily warm October. Mm-hmm. And I just like ran down the street to uh, the end of Railroad Street and looked out. And sure enough, there was a train car on its side on the diamond. <laughs> so I got my phone out and texted back into the group and said, yeah, I'm here. I'm looking at it. It's that's true. I took a picture of it and sent it to him where this car, car, sideways, car, car, car. <laughs> uh, so at that point, I was like, well, I I know I've got a busy day at work tomorrow because I knew I was going to have to come in early anyway because Mary wasn't around. Right. Uh, and also, that was a day that I was on the I was on the radio. Do you remember that, Mary? Yeah. I was radio on Smile I FM in the morning. I think you were on television, too, weren't you? Oh, I hate didn't, that. I'm still mad about that. Didn't uh, they interview you? Yeah, because Tim was here that day, too, and bailed. <laughs> He um, threw you in front of the sure camera. Did. Uh, he sure did. As is tradition. Yep. Tim and I have a running contest about who can throw each other under the bus the hardest. And <laughs> I think he won because he's never been on TV. And you weren't here, so I couldn't throw you under the yep, bus. Exactly. Um, so I, I was on the radio at like 7 in the morning that day uh, to talk about the history of Duran. And I was like, guys, I have to kind of cut this short because we're making history right now today. There's a derailment on the diamond. And they're like, yeah, we wonder what people were doing over there. So I went to work at like nine in the morning, which is real early for what I do here. Uh, and then uh, I got there before they actually had caution tape out here at the depot because the next car that hadn't toppled over was leaning toward the building mm-hmm. and it missed the canopy by about five feet. That's crazy. So you had people like walking around underneath it and the railroad guys finally came over and like, what are you doing? <laughs> you should not be this close to this. <laughs> so they put the caution tape out and uh, I was there all day as they brought in uh, Hulchers and I can never remember the second company that comes right. in and does the, does mm-hmm. the repairs and watch them all day. And I, I really thought at the time, like, man, we probably should have charged admission today because people were going in and going right upstairs into the, the ballroom yeah. to look out the windows because they couldn't Which is go underneath the it. best vantage point it to was the, see. It was. Um, yeah. We also watched them try to hoist it up with the crane and have it come loose and drop back down again. That was interesting. It was full of GMC trucks. They had, like, just left yeah. Flint. Oh, no. Yeah. So everything in there wasn't tied down anymore because of the derailment. So they tried to lift it up, and then it snapped, and then the whole thing just fell back down to earth. And then there was a pause, and then... In our in the lobby or in the ballroom, we had like seven people with radios. So you hear this pause, and then you hear the guy who was in charge of it go, "Well, that didn't work. Try it again." <laughs> and everybody on the ground <laughs> laughed. Uh, I think I heard the same joke like thirty-five times, which is, "I don't care if it's a little dinged up. I'll take one of those trucks." All right. Like, I should have charged you a dollar for that. Yeah. Just rattle a can all day. Um, <laughs> I yeah. just feel like that was one of the first experiences of you going you know you being in charge of the situation yeah um yeah i grew into that too where it was like well mary's not here and no one else is here so i guess i'm king of the depot for the day yeah not that this place needs a huge amount of attention it's basically just like someone walks in you wave at them they wandered the building on their own yeah but it's usually like phone calls people call in and ask me questions i don't know the answer to or like hey i want to rent the building and i'm like i don't know how to do that <laughs> guess I, I should go get the book out um yeah dear on day was fun it was fun because no one got hurt yeah if it had been like a tragic yeah. accident it wouldn't it have been fun been, at all yeah right. but because the only thing that got hurt were some trucks that were already insured so oh, who wow. cares 
It was just easy. Yeah. <laughs> so you got anything else, McKenzie? More questions. All right, let's see. We're at okay. 40 minutes. This is an extra long one. Yeah, well, we expected this to happen. Yeah. This one. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, so that's that kind of leads into the next question I have. The mm-hmm. one that you just had or talked about was the derailment. But, you know, like working here and everything, you kind of wear a lot of hats as you were explaining through yes. job titles. What's the, like, strangest and most, like, far-fetched thing you've done as, like curator archivist whatever like, like out of your realm. jack of all trades yeah yes exactly okay. um this is a clean podcast so i can't say it as graphic as is the truth <laughs> but um on more than one occasion i've had to use a gigantic squeegee in the men's room there was a string of incidents where people really like to cram a urinal full of paper towel and flood it mm. Uh, so janitorial duties. Yeah, you, you, wow. Mackenzie, you have also experienced janitorial horror. Yes, and yep. Uh, someone's here to talk to Mary, so she had to step out of the room again. Mm-hmm. Um, what were we just saying? Yeah, uh, janitorial terror. Yes, janitorial uh, terror. Yeah, I remember you, we had a day where there was an incident. It was it was worse than flooding the urinal. Just, 20 times worse yep. and i remember you saying well we gotta clean that and i said we yep i was like there's no we yeah it was me i did it there, that was the that was the day that we said that we should probably invest in like hazmat suits yeah and then COVID hit us later and we were like oh that's kind of funny yeah we, why didn't we buy the hazmat suits is what we said to ourselves yeah we, uh, we should have bought the hazmat suits we should buy one before you leave in case that ever happens just hang one on a hook somewhere that is awful. Yeah. yeah that's um, a horrible experience. Those are things that they don't tell you about when you go to school for curator stuff. Like, okay. hey, uh, if you're in a small museum, you will also have to clean the bathroom. Like, you will be a jack of all trades. You'll be doing whatever is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, that's around the same time that we also started investing in the urinal screens. Yes. I mean, you're you're a girl, so you don't spend a lot of time thinking about urinal logic. No, but I remember logic. we talked about yeah. when we did. Or I remember you telling me about the toilet paper thing or whatever. And yeah. Then, Trying to fix that. Yeah, so we we started buying devices that go over the hole, the drain in the urinal. Where, um, in addition to making it way harder to jam toilet paper in it, uh, it smells like apple cider. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so um, if you've ever wandered in and wondered, like, hey, I wonder what what's going on with the apple cinnamon in this place? It's that. Uh, it's probably time for us to change those out. I think they have like a thirty day shelf life on them. Probably back to janitorial duties. Yep. Yep. Um, I mop every week. Uh, because right now Kevin is still out on sick leave because yep. he had uh, he had a pretty bad disease that he had to get through. It wasn't COVID. It was bad, though. So. And so we're making sure that he stays comfortable and safe. Uh, so what that means is, okay, we as we walk through the building on a daily basis, we see a trash can that needs to be emptied, so we empty it. Or, we uh, fill in the gaps. They had, a, they had farmer's market on Wednesday inside the lobby, so the lobby's floor got all messed up. All right, cool. Go sweep it and... Mary swept it yesterday and I mopped it. That was what we did yesterday at the beginning of the day. So, you know, that's that's what we do here. Uh, and that leads me to a thing that I actually want to say, because I said it on the Facebook post. Yes. But I want to say it here on the show. Like, if you're hearing this, this place always needs volunteers. It always does. Always. The more the merrier. Uh, and we will find something for you to do that you like to do. Um, if you're the type of person who actually likes pushing a mop or a broom around, got plenty of opportunities for that. Uh, like I'm not leaving truly like I'm getting paid somewhere else and I'm doing full-time work somewhere else, but that doesn't mean I'm done here. That just means that I become a volunteer here doing stuff when I have time to do it. 
there's always room here. Like that's how we all got started in this place. Every single one of us. Yeah. Mary's out of the room right now, but she also started as a volunteer. So it's just how it goes. And yeah. Um, Um, so it, so like by leaving, I'm not saying like, Oh, everybody should congratulate me. And it's, it's a little embarrassing when people gush over the work that I did, because for me, it wasn't like, I never did any of this for recognition. I did all of this because I thought it was the best way to present what we were doing here at the museum. Mm -hmm. So like, if you get anything out of this, it's please volunteer either for our museum here in Duran or find one close to you. Yeah. Cause I know we have people from all over the world who listen to this show for some reason. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, do you have a question in there about the show itself? I have a couple questions. So one of them kind of will be connected to the future of the show and everything, Yep. but explain to us exactly how you will be connected to Geranium Station so that way our audience knows and everything. Well, um, um, one, we are still doing the podcast. Uh, it won't be every week. Nope. Uh, we are still going to do it weekly until I'm done. So the whole rest of April. Um, also I do find it incredibly ironic that we're announcing, massive changes to the show on our literal one year anniversary show yes this is our 52nd episode episode our one year anniversary of the depot cast we did an entire Um, year and then mike's leaving um and now we're taking it's not i mean it won't be technically a hiatus but it will be a like a one month thing. it's a change in the format yeah um i will i've like discussed um, filling in gaps occasionally yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna teach you how to operate this stuff so you can record mini episodes um, that's what they'll be called Mac mini episodes <laughs> Mac minis oh <laughs> Apple would sue us we can't oh, do that oh no. I didn't think about that dang it no if you say they're M-A-C-K yeah, minis that, that, that that's fine yeah we can do that um yeah so I'm gonna teach Mackenzie here how to how to do what I do from here uh but we can still do the the podcast remotely because that's how this thing got started was all of that. us in various corners of the county or up at Sault Ste. Marie or whatever doing the show from our own computers like that's how this thing began so um so we'll probably find something to talk about on the weekend once a month record it and then post it and be like hey we're we're all back together doing the may edition of the podcast Mm -hmm. where i already know what we're going to talk about in the first one uh what is my life like now plus what did we do at railroad days yes (laughs) uh so we've already got may's weekly or monthly podcast handled uh, and then, you know, every podcast will probably be something similar to like, hey, everybody's catching up and like a recap almost. Yeah. Or, or a... we'll find some cool bit of railroad history to share. And mm-hmm. same as it ever was. Uh, just we'll, we'll probably like this episode is going long because of what the story is. The monthly podcast will probably be longer because we'll have more to say. Exactly. Like, is it going to take up four regular podcasts worth of time? Probably not. But will it be just as good? Yes. <laughs> It'll be an hour long, I would imagine, between 45 and an hour. I can imagine that too, yeah. Um, yeah, so when I knew I was leaving, the mm-hmm. very first thing I did was say like, oh, we're not, like this show's not ending. Right, It's yeah. different. It'll, it, and it, it's been different. It started as one thing and it morphed into something else and it's morphing into something else yet again today. That's so, how it goes then. Uh, yeah, so uh, also this is the end of our you know how we have seasons here that don't matter. Yep. This is also Our the end of season, season three. So ah. 52. <laughs> I uh, knew it. <laughs> yeah. So we'll start season four next week with the exact same content. It's not going to change. Nope. <laughs> um, same format for now. Yeah. And the format is always uh, you and I text like two days before we have to record it because we've forgotten. 
Hey, do you have an idea? Yeah, what, what are we talking, talking about, about this week? <laughs> and then it's like, oh no, let's look up weird things on the internet, which backfired instantly. That yeah. could not have backfired more fast. That backfired. Like, oh yeah, every weird story about the railroad on the internet is horrific. It's very bad, but we learned a lot. And I like the, um, we did some like architecture things. Yeah, those were those fun. Designs. Yeah. That was fun. That's stuff we so don't have in whoever, our archives. Whoever called for Mary like really needed her attention because. She has been MIA for she a little bit. She is gone. I don't know what happened to her. Um, so, do you have any further questions on I your have iPad? One more. Okay. And it's just a little bit more. So tell us about your job. Tell us what you'll be doing. Yes. So just, I don't um, know if we've ever covered that in a podcast or if you covered it in the Facebook post, but just tell us it, what you're going to be doing. I did cover it on the Facebook post, but I'll, I'll do it here. Um, I have been hired as the executive director of the Kids and Stuff Children's Museum. That's their name mm-hmm. in Albion, Michigan. Uh, Albion is between uh, Battle Creek and Jackson. Okay. Much like Durand is between Flint and Lansing. If someone were to ask you about Albion, it would be between Battle Creek and and Jackson. Um, It's on a rail line. Albion is on the original Michigan Central Rail Line. So it's the oldest oldest major train line in the state. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is currently run by Norfolk Southern. So the black train with a horse on it, Mm -hmm. that's them. Uh, So they have a a longer railroad history than Durand does, but they're kind of out further in the middle of nowhere than Duran was. Okay. So they have a main line, but they didn't have two like Duran did. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they still, they're on Amtrak. They're on the Wolverine. So you can still get on. I can still get on a train and go to Chicago if I want to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm the executive director. So my job, my new job will be a lot like what Mary does here, except I'll be down running a kid's museum instead of a train one. Okay. Um, the job was very attractive because it's basically just like build cool stuff that kids can play with. And when I went and toured it, they basically made it clear that the adults were encouraged to play with the stuff too. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is my place. I want this. Perfect. Um, it's in an old JC Penny down, like down in downtown Albion. No way. So it's in a huge open floor plan. That's three stories. The third story is unused. It's just storage space right now. Really? So what does that remind you of? Here. Yeah. Big open floor plan. I'm very excited about that. I'm excited um, to come down and yeah, see it. Yeah, you're gonna have to come in and and Up, see see areas. what I'm see what I'm building because uh, I also made it very clear to them that uh, if they were getting me, they were getting the curator brained version of me. Yep. So, because um, that's all I know is how to be a curator and how to spend all my time thinking about cool stuff to build. Um, but like I said, I'm gonna be spending a lot of time probably on the phone with Mary, learning how to be an effective director because she's a very effective director here. Yep. So why not leverage the people that, you know, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Uh, it's been a long time coming and it was never because I, like I said earlier in the episode, it's never because I truly wanted to leave. It was because I had to. Yeah. And it's just a good fit. It's like growth. And you've been looking for an opportunity like this for quite a while. He's yep. a couple of years now. Ever since and you've known me for sure. Yeah. And it's just like a perfect fit. It's close. It's got everything you need. And yeah. I mean, the job description as you're describing, it sounds perfect for you. Absolutely. Yep. Um, so. And we're in a world where, you know, you never say never. Exactly. Uh, maybe my path somehow loops me back into Duran at some point, but. Well, yeah, uh, if you <laughs> if you ever find yourself missing Duran, you know, there's yeah. always a spot here for you. <laughs> but for, yeah. But for the foreseeable future, I'm going to go and have a new adventure and tell some really cool stories and meet some really cool kids. And mm-hmm. I've got a, an inexhaustible resource of young people through Albion College, which is in that town. There you go. Who are all like education majors or music majors or fine arts majors. So anything that you would want to present with kids to 
teach them something cool about the world or just make a mess and make some noise. I have a hard time believing that I would, I would not be able to find young people from that university exactly. that would come in and, and do those programs because it's for, you know, it's for the kids. So it's the same town. Yeah. Uh, Albion is a town that's kind of on the, on the rebound, like Durand is that, uh, Durand and Albion both went through periods where, uh, like, uh, industry has failed them (laughs) so now they're trying to rebuild uh and both duran and albion are in situations where they're rebuilding and they've got nice vibrant downtowns again and i think that's very exciting so that will be very nice yeah and you know like i said 80 minutes away so i can just get my car and come back to duran if something comes up and they need me for something uh in fact when they offered me the job, I asked them if I could come back for railroad days, and they said yes. So there you go. So I will, I will be here during railroad days. Uh, Perfect. I'll be here too. Promoting promoting my new gig, but also showing off all the cool stuff we've built because um, we ju- uh, Jerry and I are finishing the uh, history of Amtrak. It is eight panels that are twenty four by thirty six inches inches big. They're huge. Oh my goodness! Eight panels that talk about passenger rail from the beginning of the railroad to present day. And then two special panels talking about how Michigan and how Durand have intersected with Amtrak. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, we put them out for sponsorship yesterday. Uh, eight panels charged them sixty dollars a piece to get your name on it, and all eight of them sold out in a day. That is that just so shows so the growth right there too. So the the exhibit paid for itself. <laughs> we we don't have to pay any money out of our own pocket to get it built because people were willing to fund it. Uh, and I'm thrilled. I couldn't, I couldn't be happier because every time we do that, people tend to respond to it. So thank you to those individuals who yes. sponsored our kids. Uh, like people like our own Molly. Did she get one? Paid for one for her kids. That's uh, Tim, who actually didn't build this one because he's down in Florida, uh, paid for it anyway. <laughs> so he's still part of it. Yeah, he still needs to be part of it somehow. He's he, like, yeah. He would, he refuses to have any, his name on anything just like I do. But then he paid for a sponsorship to have his name put on one, which is very funny. Anything to support it, right? Yeah. That's I just feel like funny. that's a $60 joke on his part. So Absolutely. <laughs> worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's $60 funny. Um so yeah, that's like the culmination of my time here. Yeah. Uh, that's just a little that's not even all of it. That's just a little glimpse into yeah, it. Yeah. Um but like a lot of that's by design cuz I really really hate having my name on stuff here. Yeah. The thing that made me happiest was to put to do stuff with the interns that I could put their name on instead of mine. Right. Or the thing that you and I worked on that ended up being a real exhibit. That was fun. The uh, ladder making? Or are you talking about the artwork? The artwork. Like okay. that started as we just need to get some of the stuff out of here and display it. And then it turned into actually putting it all on the wall. That so, is one of my favorite things that's happened yeah. here. So the thing that you started turned into a real exhibit that mm-hmm. is probably the like by by pure square footage, the biggest thing we've ever attempted. Yeah, uh, it is. And so when people ask me about it, I'm like, yeah, it was Mackenzie's idea that we ran with. Because I hate saying, well, I came up with this. I came up with that. No, it's, it, we we did that. That was a fun one. I get I get credit by default because I'm the curator. So yeah, I believe it's knows. very, I, I believe it to be very important that we give that credit to the, everybody else who helped me get it done. So, yeah. I think I hear Mary about to come back in. This has all been an extended effort to stall because I'm sure Mary has other questions she wants to ask. Yeah. I'm sure we can get her in here. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, okay. I think she's coming back. Yeah. um, 
you know, it's just been a joy. The people that I've had come in, like all the interns, Mm -hmm. you're not an intern, but you like kind of fit that mold. I kind of started in a weird way. I was a volunteer that like switched into intern. Is that your phone making that noise? That's somebody outside. Yeah, it's fine. It's because I'm back, you guys. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've been stalling <laughs> until now because we're, we're we're probably probably should be wrapping this episode up, but we figured you still had questions you might want to get to. If you do, if you don't, if you do. that's okay. We're at 56 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we're actually approaching an hour this time. No, right All right. Now. All right. So uh, we'll turn your mic on. Boss called it quits. It's it's over, yeah. guys. <laughs> do you have any final thoughts for this episode? Um. Cause, it, cause it's not even like a goodbye episode because I still have a month to go. Exactly. It's it's, and I'm not truly leaving. We're still doing the show after this. So right. Yeah. I I'm I'm. It's a transition. Yeah. It's a transition. It's like what I said to, um, Mackenzie when she came in. It's like it'll be all okay. I mean this this building shifts and moves and bounces and it existed before all of us. Exactly. And it will exist after all of us. Yep. I'm. We're the caretakers. And all we can hope for is that what we did while we were here was a positive right. impact on it. And it, it created momentum and was sustainable. So whoever blunders their way into this place after we all did can pick it up and go, well, this all made sense. Let's keep this going. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there are things that we used to do here that made sense. So we still do them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you made a positive impact. I mean, you uh, you you left your mark on this organization. And that is a very positive thing. Uh, Someone was telling me, I think it was Jerry, who was like, we need to name something in this building after you. And I was like, first off, don't. Too late. Second, if you're going to, (laughs) I want the the dumbest possible thing in here named after me. Because you can't name the archive after me because it's already got Norma's name on it. Or the library or the museum, because I deliberately made sure that we put Norma's name on it. So something else wouldn't happen. Um, I'll give you the opportunity to just to suggest a place that you want your name urinal if you don't <laughs> if you don't pick one though you're gonna just get something i don't know what urinal. But <laughs> staircase don't oh, or the grand no. staircase it is a nice staircase we could probably name that staircase after anybody who truly deserved it like i said if if you have to name something after me i want it to be something incredibly stupid <laughs> no that's there's other people who we can name that after um <laughs> we talked about jokingly naming the new shelves that we were thinking about getting in the archive after me. <laughs> that would actually be fitting. You've been yeah. pushing for those shelves well, for a while. It's an it's an it's an endless desire because yeah. the only th- like the one thing that we are truly lacking in this place is storage capacity. Yeah, and we I think we finally came up with a plan to add what is equivalent to like twenty five extra shelves worth of space in the same physical area. Mm-hmm. And then you go and get a job, but it's like two thousand dollars, and we're it's it i have always felt bad about stumping for money even though as, as it turns out i guess i'm good at it because i we funded an entire exhibit in 24 hours yeah uh so i like i dislike going out there all the time and being like hey we need money for this or we need money for this or whatever like i feel gross doing it even though i'm in the nonprofit business and that's how we exist i feel bad about it so i know we're gonna have to fundraise two thousand dollars to build these shelves but at the same time, I'm like, when's the right opportunity to do it? Because Railroad Days is not a great time because we're already fundraising for other stuff. Christmas is not a great time because it's Christmas. 
Like, so what do we do? Um, maybe, maybe the event that we're doing over the summer with, we've been talking about doing like a hog roast slash beer garden. It's basically, yeah. it's everybody's ideas that we're just merging into one. Open one. back up post COVID. Yeah. Like maybe that's the thing where if we set the can out and it's like, Hey, help us build these shelves. And then we put like a JPEG of the shelves that we want on there. Right. Maybe, maybe during that event, we could get enough people throwing money in there that we could fund it. Um, Cause it's necessary. Like we've got two archives that are both full and if we could build more shelving, that was more space efficient, that was on wheels so we could compact it. We could probably condense the upper museum or the upper archive into one, which would be good for trying to find stuff. Yeah. These archives aren't just full. These archives are like busting at the seams. Yeah. They're towering <laughs> like, and teetering. They are. If there is space in them. It is filled. <laughs> yes. Um, it's efficient, but it's not, like, ideal it's not ideal the space that we have we utilize it but yes. we could always find better ways to store it mm -hmm. um and hopefully with the rolling shelves we can prove that that idea works and then we could do the idea again upstairs yeah and that, that better utilize be. that space yep. so yep. look at us we're just having another staff meeting about exactly. that <laughs> um so yeah i think like that's what i want to do next but um that's also a thing that i can do without being here on person uh on site in person right um yeah it never ends never ends like and nobody ever really goes away right mm -mm. even the people who have died are still are here still here yeah like, they're the ghosts that we joke about they're just yep. not they're just not malevolent yeah <laughs> so yeah uh so this is like like i said this is not a goodbye this is a see you later uh because nobody ever truly leaves and, and you'll see him at railroad days too yeah right after he leaves he's literally coming back the next yeah week. <laughs> i'll be here a week after that like the week a week after my first day in albion i'll be back here doing railroad days being the mayor of the depot again <laughs> maybe Mike. wearing a different shirt or a hat because i know they have gear down there too so yeah i also found a place that didn't care that i showed up to work in a hoodie every day again, again? super excited about yeah. that wow yeah that's um, like a two birds, one stone. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, during that interview down there, uh, they asked me if I felt comfortable painting a wall if it was needed. <laughs> oh, my God. Did you tell them about your your gate or whatever it yeah. is? Your fence I, was like, I, I ruined at least one hoodie painting something here. Uh, I said, no, I'm very comfortable with that. I said, in fact, uh, I'm dressed up today because it's an interview and I felt like I had to be. My normal mode of operation is wearing a hoodie to work every day. Uh, preferably something that says Albion on it. And uh, one of them volunteered like, oh yeah, the place across the street sells Albion college shirts. There you go. And I was like, rad, thank you. Well, So I know exactly traitor. what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, traitor. <laughs> Whatever. We'll ignore that gloss no, over you, it for now. <laughs> no, you wear, you wear the local stuff. Yeah, support them. Like I'm, I'm wearing a Michigan hoodie today, but and I'll wear a Michigan hoodie at work over there, even though apparently that place is overrun by Spartans. Is it actually? Yeah. Oh no. But no Buckeyes, so sorry to Jim Vandendries. I, mean, I, I knew I could fit his name into this podcast somehow. <laughs> Man, I love Jim Vandendries because I love picking on him, even even if I have no right to do it because Ohio State just crushes us and everything. Um, but yeah, so an hour three. This is longer than most of our podcasts, but I guess we had more to say. Yep, so, a lot of questions. Uh what are we gonna talk about next week? You'll be back up north by then. I will be back up north by then. Um, I don't know, but I'll think of something. Yeah, I'll work on it. I'm sure oh, something will come. To you me. brought a present for me that I said I was gonna open on the air, I so I should do that. I did bring a present for you. All right, I'm opening. I'm opening the present. Okay. 
paper that Lots I'm making a lot paper. of noise. Does that sound good? <laughs> can not audio sound format? Good. It's a crinkle paper. All right. That is Seymour the Sea Duck. Seymour the Sea Duck, who is the mascot <laughs> of Lake Superior State. You know what? I have a desk now at my new job. Okay, I'll perfect. Bring, I'll put him on my desk. So I was concerned. I was like, he probably has a desk at his new job. But if you don't, you have a new apartment. So <laughs> People are going to get like the weird impression. Like, did you go to Lake State? And we're like, no. My so, intern slash, yeah, I don't know. My partner in crime <laughs> went to, the, went to the, uh, the university bookstore and bought a bunch of stuff for me. So Seymour... Uh, Yes. And then there's a small pennant and uh this looks like a like a paperweight. Like it's, a block yeah. of wood that has Lake Lake State on it. It's like a little decoration. Ooh. Ooh. A very nice coffee mug, which I'll probably end up using because I yes. I won't be able to walk into work at noon anymore. Yeah, so for some reason I didn't think about this, but you're actually hard to shop for. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. If you were to ask anybody who's ever had to buy me a present for anything, they would tell you. Yeah, but I thought this would be cool and I was like perfect new office. Like, yeah. Put your stuff in I there. will absolutely use a lot of this stuff in my office. Uh, a room that I probably don't intend to be in very often because I see myself as guy who gets to walk the floor of a children's museum every day. Mm-hmm. Like, why would I lock myself in my office? Well, now, every single time someone comes in your office and asks if you went to Lake Superior State, my I, name I will come up. I can say absolutely not. <laughs> uh, the, the one time I've been on campus at Lake State, it was for a hockey game, and then I got pulled over on the Mackinac Bridge on my way home. <laughs> oh, no. That's a fun experience. Yeah. Uh, the, I think the cop was scouting people who were coming back from the Kuwait Casino and may have had too much to drink. Ah. So he pulled me over. Like His stated reason for pulling me over was that it's technically illegal to drive on the grate unless you're passing because it's a passing lane. It's still technically I-75, and the state law is you're not supposed to camp out in the left lane oh but i was on there because the grate is fun <laughs> is that what you told him <laughs> um what i told what he told me was uh you've been drinking tonight and i said no sir he's like where were you i said i was i'm coming back from a college hockey game at lake state and he said sure you haven't been drinking and i don't drink so i was like i assure you i've not been drinking he goes well you're not allowed to drive on the grate unless you're passing somebody and i looked at him and i said with complete honesty i have i had I had no idea that that was a thing. <laughs> He's like, all right, well, let me see your license. So I handed it to him and he goes, where is Durand? <laughs> I said, what's well, way? It's like, I pointed at your hand, at of course. Hand. And he goes, he goes, well, man. Do. he goes, why are you here? And I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, my grandparents are up here and I had nothing to do. So I went up to watch a game and he goes, well, your, well, your front right headlights out. Here's your stuff. Oh, I was no. Like, oh, man's uh, just trying to reach his quota. All right. Well, later, dude. <laughs> Uh, and he let me go, and I drove it home the next day and then went and put a new headlight in. So thanks, fella, for, I guess, letting me off light. But you're not allowed to drive on the grate. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, basically, that was my, like, oh. Noted. Oh. <laughs> Won't do that again. But why, Why? like, it's so fun to drive on the grate. It makes a cool noise. Like, yeah. I don't make a habit of getting pulled over often. So when I do, it's on the Mackinac Bridge. Next I feel like to a snowbank. Shouldn't even be legal. Yeah. I feel like you're supposed to, like they should wait. I had just gotten off of it. Like it was. Oh, okay. You just come down back onto the real land, yeah. and then he he turned his lights on because I didn't know it was a cop car until he turned his lights on. I just figured it was some guy like tailgating me on the Mackinac Bridge at eleven thirty at night. Oh my. Maybe he thought you were drunk because he's like, who drives on the grates by choice? Like who rides the grates? Lots of people do. Because <laughs> it's fun. It is fun. 
Yeah. Not when it's windy, though. I've discovered I don't like to drive across oh, no. that thing when it's windy. No. That is not fun. And every single time I've driven across it, it's high wind warnings. Yep. And nope. There's always like, isn't there like a, isn't it like an old wife's tale? It's like, yeah, someone in a Yugo back in the 70s got blown off the side of the bridge. What? Don't tell me that. I have to drive back up it. <laughs> yeah, but you're in a giant SUV. It's true. I don't think that actually happened. I think what happens is because they do have to shut the bridge down on occasion for high winds, that if you were in a small enough car, it would like blow you side to side probably that's why like that's why they won't let semis on it in certain winter or yeah. weather either that would be awful they, i don't understand why they haven't netted that thing don't they net the like golden gate and everything in brooklyn underneath it for yeah. people who may use it as an avenue to jump off did but, not know that was why they did it um hmm. once again this podcast started about one thing and has morphed into <laughs> anything other than the topic. <laughs> But thank you for this cool Lake Superior State stuff. Of course. Um, I did like that campus quite a bit when I was up there. It's actually a gorgeous campus. It is beautiful when it's not eight degrees or... Someday they will yeah. open the border and you'll get to see the other Sault Ste. Marie. I know. I'm very excited. Instead of just from across the river. <laughs> you can see it on the backside of campus. You can see like, you know, the International Bridge or whatever. Yeah. And you can see like all the lights of Sault Ste. Marie, Canada or Ontario. I'm just like, oh, like yeah. <laughs> one day. <laughs> not allowed in not yet hopefully soon yeah so uh yeah so any final thoughts are we well congratulations on the new job yeah thank you um it's weird but um i'm sure we'll have a lot more weird conversations about it in the months to come i'm sure we will yeah so all right that was the depot cast for friday april 2nd not april 1st we were not joking about anything that we just talked about (laughs) um especially not the urinal thing do not i swear to god do not put toilet uh paper towel in my urinal ever again guy out there who's definitely listening to this show i will find you he will find you yep <laughs> and that's where we if i ever have to squeegee a bathroom floor again i'm gonna be so mad <laughs> it's one thing that stuck with me um all right so that was the show uh like i said i'm not going away We'll be here next week talking about who knows what and when I'm in Albion or Marshall, wherever I live, uh, we'll be still talking about train stuff. It'll just be like on a Saturday and then we'll record it and Mm -hmm. hang out. So, so So if, if between now and and April 30th, you should come in and say, Hey, and we'll do like that elbow bump thing that people do in COVID times. And, you know, we'll chat. Yep. So, all right. That was the show. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you later. Thanks for thanks for driving down from Sault Ste. Marie <laughs> to be on the show. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and thanks for being our wingman and constantly asking, like, like handling questions out. Like, we got a busy day today. In the yes, we have. So. <laughs> it's been a busy day. All right. So we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.